0: What's up everyone, I'm Paul, and today on Low High, I'm doing a little bit of a different episode than usual. In today's episode, I was able to interview the lead baseball reporter at the Wall Street Journal, Mr. Jared Diamond. Jared has been covering baseball for over a decade at the Journal, and has made a big impact in the baseball world by writing about some of the biggest scandals in the sports history, most notably the Houston Astros scandal. Jared spoke to me about his day-to-day life as a reporter, his usual routines, and how he builds relationships within the baseball world, and we also spoke about how he adjusted to reporting during the pandemic. Hope you enjoy my conversation with Jared, and let's get right into it. Jared Diamond, the lead reporter for Major League Baseball at the Wall Street Journal. Jared this might be the best day of the year for you. I think uh I think anyone who's a baseball fanatic always gets the uh, the game day jitters before uh, opening day. How are you feeling?
1: This is the best day of the year for me. It has been for my entire life. It's opening day. It should be a holiday as far as I'm concerned, especially this year because after 2020 where it was not a normal season and we only got 60 games and it started in July and it just wasn't Satisfying. While I'm so grateful there was any baseball at all last year, it was not the kind of season that um, we all won. So the idea that maybe we could get a full 162 in this year, something more resembling normalcy, is just so exciting. I'm cautiously optimistic that that's going to happen. Spring training went pretty well. Generally went well, but so I'm hoping for the best. And I, you know, I I just can't wait.
0: How have you been? Uh, like, have you been like doing a lot of predictions in your own head? Besides, like, I know you put out a tweet, uh, I think last night, about who you had uh, in the playoffs and who you thought was going to take the World Series. Have you been? Have you been doing your own like uh, predictions for AL MVP, NL MVP, the stuff like that?
1: Look, I've I've learned uh, I've learned very quickly doing this job that uh, my predictions are completely useless and that. Pretty much any random baseball fan on the internet is equally qualified to offer predictions as I am. So uh, I would not put any stock in anything I say. I try to avoid getting into prognostic kidney because well, I don't know what I'm talking about. And if I did, you know, why else would they play the games, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I know nothing is basically what I'm driving at. <laughs> Who do you think
0: is going to be an exciting team to watch, or some of the most exciting teams to watch in 2021? Maybe a team that's a little bit of a sleeper. You know, you always have the the Dodgers are stacked this year, the Yankees are stacked. Who do you think is a team that might have a very big breakout season?
1: Well, of course we know the the obvious contenders, right? Everyone's very excited about seeing the Dodgers and Padres square off. Everybody's very excited about seeing the Cubs. uh, It's not the Cubs, excuse me, the White Sox and the Twins. Uh, really square off, but in terms of teams that maybe are flying a little more under the radar that I'm really looking forward to watching, for me, it starts and ends with the Angels. Uh, There's been so much talk about whether that club was wasting the prime years of Mike Trout and will Mike Trout ever get to the playoffs. Uh, I really hope this is the year. I am so incredibly jazzed about the hopeful return of Shohei Otani to a 2A player. I want so desperately as a baseball fan to see Mike Trout be playing on the biggest possible stage. And uh, I am hopeful that this is the year that, that the Angels are finally able to, to put it together and get Mike Trout the October appearance that he deserves.
0: Do you think it might've been bad for the MLB as a whole to have the best player in major league baseball in the past 20 years, probably to be in a small market team, like, uh, Anaheim and not having model, like a big stage, like if it was in LA, if he was in New York, do you think that was bad? Do you think that was good or bad as a whole for the MLB?
1: Well, look, it's obviously bad that Mike Trout has not gone into the postseason. It, it's not a matter of market size. The angels are a big market club. They spend an incredible amount of money. They play in the Los Angeles market, uh, Just because they're a big market club doesn't mean they can't be bad. And they have been bad for a long time, or at least mediocre, I think is a better way of putting it. They haven't ever been terrible, they haven't been great. Uh, And yeah, it's it's terrible for baseball because in every other sport, uh, this is not a problem, right? LeBron James is basically in the NBA Finals every single year. Tom Brady is basically in or near the Super Bowl every single year, but baseball doesn't work that way. It's a very different sport. It's, it's a very different dynamic, and as a result, Mike Trout single-handedly cannot get the Angels to the postseason, which means it's the responsibility of management of the Angels to put a roster around them that can get there. And obviously, if you're in Major League Baseball, it's devastating because you want your biggest stars playing in the biggest games. Now, there's nothing MLB can do about it, but do what I'm doing and cross its fingers and hope for the best. But absolutely, from a marketing standpoint, not having your premier player in games that matter is, is brutal from sort of a, a public relations and marketing standpoint.
0: And how do you think this could help? Do you think there's a way that the angel organization as a whole can help change this, like have, like have the best player in baseball on the main stage. If it is from a marketing standpoint, having him out on like a, uh, you know, primetime games on, you know, the, the Wednesday night special, like the, the Sunday nights, having him play in those games, you think that would help? like help grow baseball more? They're
1: doing the best they can, but the problem is that ultimately people want to see teams that are good and the Angels haven't mm-hmm. been good. So you hope that that changes. It's not that they don't have the talent, right? They, you have Shohei Otani who might be the single most talented baseball player on planet Earth in terms of his abilities as a pitcher and a hitter. They bring in Anthony Rendon, who's one of the best sluggers in baseball. The talent is there. It's just a matter of them putting it together. Hopefully the pitching comes together. The good news for them, in addition to everything else, is that uh the pitch the the AL West is a bit weak. Uh it's Houston is sort of down from where they were a few years ago. Oakland is not exactly a powerhouse. So there's definitely a window for the Angels to step in there and, and make the postseason. So we'll see if it happens, right? We're we're in game one of 162. We have six months for this to all play out.
0: And how do you feel about the, uh, you know, Steve Cohen was making a lot of moves this off season for the Mets, you know, change of ownership. How do you think they're going to fare? Even, you know, there's, there was like I, the, uh, the contract got signed yesterday, but there was a little bit of a standout between uh, Lindor and the Mets finally getting a bigger deal. How do you think the Mets are going to fare out after all this hype around them, them signing Lindor, Steve Cohen's coming into, uh, coming into ownership. How do you think they're going to do?
1: It's exciting. It's a, it's a brave new era for the Mets. Uh, of course they, they've been sort of lost in the wilderness for so long, uh, with the Bill Pond family owning the club. It's just a fact. You now bring in the wealthiest owner in baseball, a guy with a net worth of $14 billion, a guy who is going to ensure the Mets spend money fitting of the big market, New York based club, that they are. And it's very thrilling. If you're a Mets fan, this should be the most optimism you've ever really had uh, as a Mets fan in decades, as far as I'm concerned. Now, whether that means they're going to be in the world series this year, look, I don't know. There's a lot of competition in the NL East. I think Atlanta's uh, maybe a little bit better. They're, they're both very good. I'm looking forward to seeing them juke it out. But the good news is that the Mets are pointed the right direction. They're going to be run from a management standpoint, far better than they have been in the past. So uh, I don't really look at 2021 as sort of the referendum on where the Mets are going. The Mets are going the right direction. I think they have a good enough team to be in the playoffs this year, but more important, they're sort of set up to be a perennial contender more along the lines of the Yankees, which is something the Mets have not been able to say really in a very long time.
0: A hundred percent. And you think having two New York teams that are powerhouses in baseball ultimately make baseball just better to watch?
1: Oh, it's definitely good for and from MLB's perspective to have the two teams in the biggest market both be good at the same time. It certainly would be exciting in New York, that's for sure. Baseball wants big market teams to be good, of course. Those teams drive attendance, they drive merchandise sales. So I don't think it would be a bad thing for the Mets to stop being run so incompetently. If, if anything, just from a financial standpoint, MLB, uh, they want a team like the Mets making a lot of money, which should be a no-brainer.
0: Mm-hmm. And like my last question for you as a whole, do you have any players in mind that you've been watching either through spring training or you know from last season that you might ha- think that might have a breakout season, even potentially make a big uh,
1: MVP run? I think th- I think the big one question we all have is: Look, Mike Trout has been the undisputed best player in baseball for a long time. For how long will that continue, and will he? When will he be supplanted, and will it be this year? And I think there's a legitimate case to be made that this is the year that Juan Soto of the Washington National potentially supplants Trout is the best player in baseball. I think Ronald Acuna Jr. also is the guy who's on that list. But to me, Juan Soto is such an incredible stud. I am so excited uh, to see if this is the year that he does some plant uh, Trout is as the the premier player.
0: What about Fernando Tatis? Do you think he could, you think he might go into a sophomore slump or you think he might be doing better than he did last year?
1: I want to see him play a full season, right? something he's yet to do. I love Fernando Tatis Jr. I think he's a guy who has a real chance to be sort of the face of baseball. And uh, I hope he stays healthy for the full season.
0: So after, I uh, thank you for going into that well, nice uh, 2021 preview with Jared. So Jared, I want to talk a little bit about you and like your uh, your journey as a sports journalist in baseball. So Jared, when did you first start, uh, like start covering baseball? Was it back in college or was it like your first job you had? When did you kind of find your passion for uh, writing writing and, you know, talking about baseball?
1: Well, look, I'm, look I, I didn't get to start covering baseball until... Really, I got into my professional career uh, in college. There was no baseball team uh, at Syracuse, so there was no option for me to cover baseball at least on a full time basis then. But this is always what I knew I wanted to do. I've known I wanted to do this job or something like it for really as long as I can remember. Really, since childhood, uh, when I was in grade school, elementary school at Quaker Ridge, uh, I basically started doing this job. I would type up a sort of a sports newsletter on an old, you know, Windows 95 computer and print it out and distribute it to my classmates in their milk carton cubbies and, you know, milk carton mailboxes (laughs) in their cubbies. By the time I got to high school, you know, I was sports editor of the Maroon. I started uh, covering sports for the Scarborough Enquirer when I was 15, 16 years old. Uh, Went to Syracuse with the intention of doing this job. So, This is always what I wanted to do. Baseball was always the sport I ultimately wanted to cover. But I spent many years through high school, college, uh, covering many other things or get my education and learn really how to do this job. And I was fortunate enough uh, in 2013 to have the opportunity to transition to baseball with the Wall Street Journal. And this is going to be my ninth full-time season covering baseball.
0: Who were some players or teams that you looked up to growing up uh, watching baseball?
1: Well, look, my, my dad and my brother were always big Yankees fans. I grew up, I was eight years old in 1996, of course, when the Yankees uh, won their first World Series in quite a long time and then went on their incredible run uh, throughout through the late 90s and early 2000s. So, of course, my memories of baseball were that when I was a kid. And my dad and my brother are still big Yankee fans. Of course, doing this job, I am no longer a fan of anybody. Uh, I'm a fan of good stories. I'm a fan of the game. But of course, my seminal baseball experiences growing up with the Yankees, uh, playing in all those important October games when I was eight, nine, ten, eleven years old, those are memories that stick with you for your entire life.
0: And you think those memories of having like such a dominant Yankees team being so close to home really like helped drive in that factor of your love for baseball?
1: Yeah, it definitely helped. Like, I was born to love baseball. My dad is a humongous baseball fan. My birth announcement was a picture of me on a baseball card uh, that my parents had made. I, I was sort of born to do this job. And I've always loved this game. It is truly the thing I love most, really, in the world, at least non human division, is baseball. I'm incredibly romantic about it. I really want to, be- I really do believe it is uh, the greatest game ever invented by human beings. And certainly watching such exciting moments from, the, from so close up when I was a kid, it only solidified that this was the thing I wanted to be around for forever.
0: What were some moments in baseball that kind of stuck out to you as a kid, like plays from either the World Series or plays that you saw, just watching baseball with your, with your family that kind of stuck out to you the most and kind of showed you why did you love baseball?
1: First big thing, the first like big baseball memory I really have was the 1995 ALDS, Seattle against New York. Ken Griffey Jr. sprinting around the bases, scoring the winning run uh, on Edgar Martinez's walk-off into the left field corner of the Kingdome. That was of the first thing I really remember watching from a baseball uh, perspective. Of course, the Yankees winning the World Series in '96. Uh, 1998 was, of course, totally insane between the Yankees being that incredible all-time great team uh in addition to the home run race of course with Mark McGwire and Sammy Sosa that was so incredibly thrilling especially when you're when you're 10 years old it's also uh, the Subway Series in 2000 and of course uh the 2001 postseason and the Yankees mm-hmm. Run to the World Series after 911 i was 13 years old uh Everything was sort of different uh, after that. Uh, Those are some of the things that really stick out to me. It was really memorable.
0: What about, um, like, the Mr. November Derek Jeter's walk-off home? Is that, like, a big memory for you?
1: Oh, of course. I mean, all those incredible games. Uh, Tina Martinez's home run also in that World Series against Arizona. And just the way it ended, right? Arizona coming back against Mariano Rivera, not a thing you expect. Kind of a really thrilling and if you're a Yankee fan, heartbreaking inclusion, but incredibly, incredibly memorable. And look, these things stick with you forever. They really do. And I'm sure for people now growing up, like they'll always remember the 2016 World Series, the 2017 World Series, some of these other, what, a, you know, 2011 with David Fries, some of these super memorable moments, they really do last a lifetime.
0: What were some of the first stories that you started writing uh, when you like really got into like writing about baseball?
1: Well, I st- when I first started covering baseball full time, I was on the Mets beat uh, for the Wall Street Journal. I, I covered the Mets full time for three years. Uh, you know, every game, all the road trips, all spring training. Uh, incredible experience. Super, super educational. Crucial. Couldn't be doing the job I'm doing now without having done that. That's where you sort of really get your education of how baseball works, how the industry works, what a clubhouse is like. Uh, Really great experience. So covering those Mets teams in 13, 14, 15, absolutely wonderful. My last year covering the Mets, the Mets went to the World Series unexpectedly, which was really thrilling as well. And it sort of set me up, set me up to do the job I'm doing now, which is the national baseball gig
0: what was something you didn't know about like the the major league baseball that you found out when you first started covering the Mets something that kind of just popped out to you or something that was like a big like whoa moment
1: yeah there's just a culture to baseball right that you don't really know unless you're on the inside how people talk how people act there's lingo there's you know certain rituals and behavior that you really don't see until you're inside a clubhouse and also the other thing this is sort of less romantic I suppose but you know, as much as you know, as a fan, that baseball is a business. I think all smart fans have recognize the business of it. When you really see it close up, you really realize sort of what it is and how it really runs. And not all of that is pretty, right? Some of it really, there are a lot of people who do this job that lose their love for the game because they, they see inside it too much. I'm very fortunate that I never got to that point. I, I never will. Cause I'm able to separate it. I'm aware that there's sort of some unsavory parts of the business of baseball, but it doesn't take away for me, the game. And it's the game that I really love. And the other stuff is my job.
0: When you walk into a baseball field for a game, you're like, for a game you're going to be reporting for what, what sticks out to you the most? Like, what does it like, what makes you feel like you're in your, your best element?
1: I never have lost that childlike wonder. Are you stepping out into now from the press box, seeing the grass, seeing the dirt, smelling the air. uh, It's the greatest. Uh, Baseball is the prettiest sport. It is the most aesthetically pleasing sport. It is designed to be so. And the aesthetics of baseball, to me, are just so crucial. We can never lose sight of that. How baseball looks, sounds, and smells is such a big, crucial part of, of what makes it so great, and now especially my job where I've gotten to travel all around the country, I've been to every major league stadium. Uh, it's a thrill, and I and it's never not exciting. It's never not exciting stepping into Wrigley Field. It's never not exciting stepping into Dodger Stadium or Fenway Park, uh, and in, I'll, it'll never stop being thrilling. And honestly, I can't wait to get back to those places because it's been way too long because of the pandemic.
0: Definitely. And what do you say to someone who says like baseball's boring? Like, how do you sit through a three hour game? What's your like initial response to that?
1: I understand it. Of course I understand it. Look, I love baseball as much as anything, but that doesn't mean it's perfect, right? It's, it's got problems. The games are too long. Uh, the, the product that we're seeing on the field right now is not necessarily, excuse me, the most entertaining product that could exist. There are too many strikeouts. There isn't enough action. Uh, And I believe that all that is fixable and it's up to Major League Baseball to sort of go under the hood and make the tweaks necessary. So I understand why people say this is not the kind of baseball that I want to watch. Uh, It's not enough for me personally to stop watching it. Of course, I'm a hardcore fan. For some, it will be. uh, And hopefully baseball does make the changes and it does not make you less of a baseball fan to also acknowledge that, hey, like the product could be better. There could be things tweaked to make it more fun. I, like I said, there should be fewer strikeouts. There should be more action. There should be more, more balls put in play. The game shouldn't be averaging three hours, five minutes. And that's okay. I'll still be there for now. And I'll always hope and aspire that it gets better.
0: And being a baseball reporter, is 162 games in a baseball season, as opposed to being like a NFL reporter, there's only 16 games in the season. You only have to watch. And if you're only on one team, you only have to watch one game a week. You have to watch a baseball game almost every single day of for like the next six months. Is that does that ever put like a toll on you or like a stress on you that you have to constantly watch the sport and then you have to after the games you have to write about it? How how is your mindset during those like especially in like the dog days of summer when all there is is baseball? How do you keep a good mindset and try and produce the best uh, quality of your writing as possible?
1: Like obviously, uh, there's times where it's really hard. The travel is really hard from a mental and physical standpoint. All the late nights, also very hard sometimes from a mental and physical standpoint. But there's things I love about it, right? There's a real rhythm to baseball, that daily grind aspect of it. Uh, You just sort of get ensconced in it, right? You just get lost in the rhythm. And I love that rhythm. I love that every day there's a new game. I'm going to the ballpark every afternoon and every night there's a new game. There's something sort of comforting about it, which is what made 2020 so rough with all the starts and stops, uh, which is also why I'm so thrilled that we're hopefully going to get something more normal this year. So look, while it is hard and I, look, I don't, I couldn't do this. I couldn't go cover 140 baseball games a year for my entire life. That's a, that's a short term commitment. And, but while I was doing it, it was a blast and yes, it was hard. Yeah. There were times like, Oh, do we really need to do this again? but there were also times where I just absolutely loved it. And and I do love that grind, that rhythm, that the comfort, the comforting nature of that.
0: When you're on the road with the team, does it kind of feel like you're you're a part of the team in a sense?
1: No, absolutely not. Never, ever, ever. And if you do feel like that, you're not doing the job the way you should. You're not part of the team. You are an independent observer of the team. And while it's very important that you forge good relationships with the people you cover, trusting relationships with the people you cover, that should never ever turn into something resembling friendship. Uh, You're not their friends, you are reporters covering them. And keeping that professional relationship and sort of navigating that line between let's trust each other but not get too close is a big part of the job. Um, When you're covering a team, you're part of a different team. You're part of sort of the media team yeah, you're competing with all the other reporters, but they're also your friends in some ways, because these are people you're working alongside every single day for months and months and months and months. And you become like a little bit of fam, a little bit of a family out there on the road. And, and I don't do that job anymore, but there's still times where I miss that camaraderie.
0: Is that tough a little bit that you know, the guys that you're covering, the guys that you're watching 24-7, you get to speak to them, but only as a professional standpoint, you can't really like hang out with them or relate with them. Is that is that a little tough for you, especially as a kid, that's kind of what you want to do is like be like the players, be with the players. Is how how do you feel about that, like having to keep that professional, uh, professional relationship with each other?
1: Look, you that's the job. This job mm-hmm. is all about forging relationships with people, uh, in a in a in a trusting, trustful way. That's literally what we do. The only way to get information from people is that they is that they trust people. That's it, that's, that's, that's the way the job works. So I spend most of my time trying to forge those relationships and it's fun. That's not to say I, I have very, very good relationships with people in baseball, excellent relationships with people in, in baseball. Uh, that's one of the fun parts of the job is getting to know these people and, and talking to them and forging those relationships. So uh, if you're a people person, this is the job for you because this is sort of the ultimate people person job.
0: And when you're on the road for those game for the 162 game season, do you also keep, like you, we were talking about, like a rhythm that you have with if you're reporting those games, if you're not like with the team, do you still keep the same rhythm that like keeps in line with, with what the clubhouse is doing along with what, what, what your job is?
1: Of course, absolutely. Like I, I, you, I'm always plugged in, right? Uh, you're constantly plugged in, need to know what's going on, keeping up with sources. I spend most of my day just texting with people, calling people, talking to people. Whether, or Now we're not in person, of course, but that's why I spend my day, just keeping a prize of what's going on in the industry I cover. You know, I cover an $11 billion business known as Major League Baseball. It's mm-hmm. my job to know everything that's going on in it all the time. Uh, of course, that's an unrealistic goal, but that is still the goal. And I'll continue to try to do that. Uh, and the way you do that, is just talk to people talk to people as much as you can.
0: And a big job is like knowing information and especially in this day and age you have a lot of misinformation. Have you ever had to deal with instances that you get the wrong information or the information's not 100% correct and you have to figure, figure out what that what the right uh, what the right like answer was or what the right information is?
1: It's always look what matters is being right not about being fast. Ideally you're right and fast but you will always trade accuracy for speed. It is your job as a journalist to not be wrong. And if that means waiting to report something until you are 100% sure, fine, do that. But do not be wrong because in this business, all that matters is your credibility. If you lose your credibility, you cannot do this job. And the way you have credibility is by being right with everything you say 100% of the time do you sometimes mistakes happen yeah sometimes mistakes happen but they are for me and for a good journalist extremely rare and when they happen you own up to them right away and correct it immediately and make sure it never happens again
0: and you think like a a place where like social media especially is where the majority of information goes especially in a place like twitter do you see stuff that other journals report that's not 100 percent true and they didn't get all the facts right and you you see that like Ten minutes later, you see like that information that they put out is wrong. You know, how does how does Major League Baseball handle that, handle that, especially since it's, if it's going out to like mainstream media and the information that's been put out uh, is incorrect?
1: I don't, but I don't concern myself with what other reporters do. It's just, I just don't care if if there are other reporters out there that are just going to throw things against the wall uh, and risk being wrong and not care. Yeah, but those reporters are unethical. Mm-hmm right? They just are. So I don't concern myself with them. I just worry about me.
0: And what have been some of your favorite parts of like, uh, like what have been some of your favorite moments from when you started at the journal uh, covering the Mets to like where you are now, what have been some moments that have like stood out to you uh, covering baseball, whether it's in the stadium, whether it's watching a, a crazy game, what have, what's, what stuck out to you?
1: Covering the, the, the 2016 world series is the most memorable thing I've done during my career. Just because it was so, so historic, covering uh, the Cubs winning the World Series, that will, that will stick with me forever. That was such an incredible thrill. Uh, I don't think anything will, will at least I can imagine right now, will beat it. That that sort of sticks out to me as the most memorable part of my baseball career so far.
0: Was there an article that you put out for the journal that you know? blew up a sense on social media and everyone writ, wrote it and like kind of put you on the map. Was there something that ever like in that, in that sense happened to you?
1: Yeah. I mean, of course there's been some viral moments. I, I think for many, uh, who th- hear my name or know my work, their first thought will be my reporting on the Astros scandal. Uh, you know, I broke some pretty big news, uh, about a year plus ago on that front. Uh, I think that's, what most people think about when they think about my work, I think that's the first thing that comes to mind is some of my scoops on Astros.
0: Do you like that name recognition, especially with that article, with Jared Diamond Astros scandal? Is that something that you you want to keep to your name, or is there another article that you that was your favorite that you thought was gonna go be be on national, like be nationally uh, recognized? That you feel like would what you would like to have to your name, like people would know to your name better.
1: You, you you don't get into this job to become famous or anything like Mm -hmm. that, and i still feel that way. But what you do wanna do is write stories that are impactful, that actually may result in change, that uncover truths that wouldn't have been uncovered otherwise. So yeah, of course, you wanna be associated with big stories like that, not because of your ego, not because of any sort of glory, but because it means that you did good work. And I think in any job, you wanna do good work. And in this profession, you want to do stories that matter, stories that really have real-world impact. And I've been fortunate enough to have some stories that fit that description. Of course.
0: And a couple of years back, or not like a, a year or two back, you published your first book, Swing Kings, about the uh, home run race with uh, Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire. What was the like? What was the process of writing your own book? Did you ever think you were going to be writing writing a book? Uh, if you like, like when you were a kid or when you were a young journalist?
1: I always had writing a book on my sort of career aspiration list, right? I think any writer sort of has dreams of maybe writing a book one day. And you know, I didn't know it was going to happen. It always seems so daunting, um, but the opportunity presented itself. And I came to the conclusion that there's not going to be the perfect time. There's never going to be a moment in my career where suddenly I feel, oh yeah, I am so ready to do this. No, the way you get ready to do it is just by going to do it, go do it, throw yourself in it, Th- throw yourself into the middle of the action and sort of learn on the fly. And it was a remarkable experience. I am thrilled to have written a book. I had an amazing publishing partner uh, in HarperCollins. Uh, it was a total career bucket list moment for me. And honestly, I, I would definitely not hesitate to do it again, potentially one day.
0: Was was there a lot of late nights for you that you were just like, you had a bunch of ideas coming to you and you just wanted to get it down on paper and like, it was like late at night, you were finishing up uh, whatever article you had to write for the journal and like something came to mind for you for the book and you had to put it down. Were there ever like nights, nights like that for
1: you? Yeah, it was hard. It was a lot of juggling, right? I was doing a ton of writing on airplanes and sort of weird spare moments. I would go into the book document and write a few hundred words it was a big commitment. It was a huge mm-hmm. commitment, but it was worth it. And yeah, it did lead to, it was a you know, year in insanity, but uh, now the book is done and I'm really glad it worked out.
0: <laughs> Are there any other like ideas that you have in mind for writing another book?
1: Don't have an idea yet. Uh, this is not the right exact moment mm-hmm. for me. We're gonna, we're gonna wait a little bit, but okay. I would maybe in a couple of years, check back in and see where I am
0: and with 2020 and you know the pandemic hit everything was in limbo for sports how did your how did your job change the most especially with covering major league baseball major league baseball didn't really know what they were going to do they had a it was the players unions versus the owners trying to figure out like strike a deal and having a shorter season that they actually wanted how did your job change
1: Look, it's stunk. It's stunk having to work from home, right? Because you got rid of the best part of the job, which is being out talking to people face to face, getting to really get in the clubhouse and do that kind of work. We didn't get to do it last year. We're not really going to get to do it this year, at least right now, either. So it was. It was hard. It was a tough transition. But you know, you do your best. You can The best you can. You continue to try to do good work and write good stories with the access and the sort of situation that. We're in. And and honestly, it was a fascinating story to cover because it was unprecedented. Sports Mm -hmm. shutting down, uh, baseball trying to ramp back up. Uh, From a news perspective, it was kind of thrilling because it was the kind of story that you never really imagined covering. And uh, as a journalist, that's what you want. You want fun, exciting stories like that.
0: What did you feel was like the biggest, what was some, actually, let me rephrase it. What do you think was the biggest uh, biggest part of baseball or biggest thing covering Major League Baseball that gave you a sense of normalcy during the entire 2020 season when everyone was kind of locked down?
1: Once the season got going after a few sort of rough outbreaks early on, the season did kind of feel okay, right? By sort of August into September, it felt like baseball. Like it wasn't the normal baseball season. But at some point, you're like, hey, it's baseball, and this kind of baseball is better than no baseball at all.
0: What do you think was one thing that you wish would have went better in that 2020 season?
1: Well, look, obviously, you wish that the Marlins and Cardinals didn't have the outbreaks they had. You wish there could have been fans in attendance. Uh, you wish they could have gotten more than 60 games in. You wish that MLB and MLBPA can't do an agreement earlier that would have allowed for more games. Didn't mm-hmm. happen. Uh, it's a shame. But again, it was interesting to cover, to say the least.
0: What was it like having such a you know almost a hundred and two less games than you usually covered? So was there a little bit less of a workload, or was there more workload because you had you know a shorter time span to cover everything?
1: More, it was more of a workload because you're in addition to dealing with baseball, you're also dealing with the virus, which was mm-hmm. such a a humongous story in itself. So uh, it was a very fast-paced, challenging year, but w- from a journalism standpoint, a very sort of, uh, it was a, an engaging one.
0: Were you scared that the season might have gotten shut down?
1: There were some times where I thought it might, absolutely. I mean, things were going poorly. We didn't know what was happening with the virus. We didn't know what was happening with the labor dispute. It seemed like they kind of got to the edge a few times. But, you know, they worked it out, sort of. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: I feel like it's just like a personal opinion, but I feel like baseball really could have taken the stage in the sports world. If I think the they said the start date, like the original start date when like they first wanted everything that happened was going to be July fourth, the fourth of July, for baseball to start the most American American thing, like the most like American sport, most uh, you know, most patriotic day, having baseball start, especially with everything that like went terrible in the pandemic. I feel like that could have been a really triumphant time for Major League Baseball. I don't know if you if you feel the same way and that could have, you know, revamped some of the some of the uh like the 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 light the light in baseball
1: yeah look i look i don't disagree uh it was a missed opportunity how it all played out was disappointing but that was then i'm sort of over it now 2020 is over i'm moved on to 2021 uh and what's to come yeah like could it have been handled better last year yeah of course it could have but we got what we got and now let's hope that 21 is a better year
0: Yes, I, I think everyone I think everyone can agree with that. And looking into twenty twenty-one, what are you most excited about for this baseball season?
1: Normalcy or something more like it. Look, already here on opening day as we're recording this, we're not getting normalcy, right? Mets mm-hmm. and that's a Nationals game has been postponed tonight because of a COVID problem with, with Washington. Like we are even day one, we're already experiencing those kind of problems. I hope as the season goes on and the vaccine becomes more prevalent. Uh, we're no longer talking about games being postponed or who has COVID and who doesn't. And we're just talking about baseball. And that's what I, that is what I'm most excited for.
0: And what about going, like are you going to be going to some games this season?
1: Probably not, uh, not for a while, uh, for a few reasons. I'm sort of in a, this is going to be a sort of a different year for me. I'm going to be away uh, from covering baseball for a few months. Uh, This summer, I won't really be back until toward the end of the season. So I probably won't get to any games probably until September or October this year. Um, But I'll be watching a lot of games on TV.
0: You plan on going to the World Series? It's
1: the plan as of now. Haven't missed one since 2015. So we'll see what happens.
0: Mr. Diamond, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to come and speak with me about you know, your time as a Wall Street Journal reporter and just talking about baseball whole uh, I really appreciate uh, you coming to come to speak with me and looking forward to baseball this season I think I think a lot of people are
1: and like you said normalcy. Uh, thank you so much. This is a lot of fun. Thank you.